Hey guys, welcome to episode four of the Barefoot Coach podcast. Thank you for tuning in again, even after all those horrible Macarena renditions the last few weeks. Thanks for sticking with it. And hopefully this week will be a nice, clean podcast. I've learned a lot and we no longer have to sing that horrible song. Now, what we're going to talk a little bit about today is the CrossFit Games Open 2019 being just over a month out and going a little bit into what to expect mentally and physically from the competition, how to tweak a few things in your training and preparation so you can uh, maximize your performance and about what is unique to the Open. What are some of the rules they tend to play by? Although it seems quite random in nature, there's a few things that I've managed to identify as being consistent across the board year to year. So we're going to go a little bit deeper into that and talk about that as well. First thing we should touch on really with the Open, it goes without saying the obvious, you need to be fit. You need to be able to tolerate pain and you, for you to perform at the best and highest level. Now, I know that's boring, do more work, you see it all the time, you see all the ha- hashtags, hard work pays off, etc. but it is true, right? We all sort of know that, that feeling within ourselves when we do feel fit, you tend to feel like you're breathing oxygen a little bit better, you're recovering quicker from whatever it is that you're doing, and they're really the key aspects is that ability to recover and that ability to feel like you can breathe and focus, and in particular mentally feeling like you can push that extra little bit of a level. So goes without saying, that stuff's the most important and putting in the work. However, there are a few things uh, related to the Open that are, like I said, unique in nature, I guess you could say, um, and there's also uh, certain movements that are going to be going to show up a lot more throughout the Open um, and certain movements that don't have the potential to show up. So if you want to get a little bit more specific about your training, this is, I, I do believe, the Open is a specific sport you can train for. And if it's somewhat important to you, then there is a way that you can structure your training around that to maximize your results. Okay, so the Open is obviously the starting point for the CrossFit Games season and something that thousands and thousands of people are getting involved with, which obviously means that there is a little bit of variation in what is possible in terms of programming, movements, etc. Uh, there are a few things as well that are unique to the athlete, That, hence the reason why some people perform really, really well in the open and maybe not so great in a competition setting head-to-head with their other peers and athletes. So first of all, uh, it's, a comp- it's a competition, but in a sense, it's very in the comfort of your own home. You really get to enjoy your own surroundings, which mentally can have a really good effect. Uh, you, if you've got aircon in your gym, you can turn that up, you can put a fan right in your face. You can make yourself as comfortable as possible. You've got familiar people around you and your own community around you. So again, it's not a hostile environment where you're going and there's all sorts of other people watching. Maybe your friends and family come down and support you. But again, you can set up a pretty a pretty uh, supportive environment around it. You can obviously do it as often as you like, which means that strategy-wise, you can test what works for you, what doesn't. You do it two, three, four times if you really wanted to. Um, and if you've got the recoverability to do that, which means that you can milk out a few extra reps here and there, better times, better weights lifted, etc. You can stop and start if needed. So if you have a really bad run at it and you're five minutes in mentally, you beat yourself up, you can always stop, have a little rest and then come back to it again, which obviously regular competitions you would not be able to do or regular workouts generally. You can have your own transitions and equipment perfectly laid out. So a perfect example of this would have been uh, if you did 18.1 last year, doing things like literally having the rower almost directly under your pull-up bar. So there was no rest time. If you were really good at transitions, you could just go from one to the next, uh, minimize time wasted from walking, etc. things like that. The big difference here as well, I think there's other online competitions out there such as the sanctionals, etc. 
And the big difference between the two is that you've got mass participation as explained before in the open. And especially with uh, CrossFit's recent move towards a health focus over the CrossFit Games being the focus of their brand, it's probably going to mean even potentially even more of a reduction in some of the more advanced approaches to the programming. So in a sanctional event, you might find variations in weights, such as dumbbell weights or weights used, because they, they're going to, going to be attracting mainly RX athletes with the maybe a few intermediates here and there having a crack. Whereas across the board with CrossFit, they're going to have intermediates and RX alike having a go at an RX standard. And then you're going to have your scaled options um, for your everyday population, people just having a go as well. So it does change the idea there. And there's a lot of things we'll talk about a little bit in the programming later such as if there are muscle-ups in a workout, you're going to have to work to get to those muscle-ups. Um, if you want to lift a heavy barbell, you're going to have to work to get to it as well. So certain movements will be scrapped, and we'll talk about that as well. And CrossFit also knows that you know, we have amateur judges across the board for most of it. Obviously, the higher-level athletes will need to send in videos that get um, judged. But they are aware that across the board, that's not going to be the case for most people. So in the comfort of their own gym, um, both the judges and the athletes need to be confident that they can hold the standards pretty confidently throughout. All right, so that's sort of, I guess, the advantages of the Open for some people and things that you enjoy and, and the uniqueness of the competition. Next up, we look at the programming. While Dave Castro is a creative genius at times and can be hard to read, he does, I think, thrive on the idea that people can't predict what he's going to put together. And that's still 100% the case. He could throw in anything at any time that will throw you off your game. And if you haven't prepped it or prepared for it, then you will be found out. He does have a few telltale signs, though, and I think if you look across the the last you know five to ten years, there's some patterns that start to emerge from the programming that makes things a little bit more specific than probably first thought. In recent times, week one is usually always a longer workout, and so you essentially want to be prepared for a 15 to 20 minute grind here with the exception of maybe 17.1 a couple of years ago. However, for the most of the general public, that was still a time between about 14 to 20 minutes was taking people to complete that whole workout in general. So I would still stick to that 15 to 20 minutes is what you're likely to expect, that longer workout. And I guess it's a good way to kick things off as it being a fitness test rather than going too deep into all the advanced skills or the heavy barbells. He just wants to start things off with a nice solid fitness test. So make sure you're doing some of those longer workouts occasionally as well. Then from there, the next thing you can expect is there's always going to be some form of a heavy barbell added in uh, to the workout in the form of a one rep max or building up to a heavier lift for multiple repetitions. But one thing is certain with these sort of events is that you're going to have to work to get to that heavy barbell. So there's been a few tweaks to these over the years in the open. So initially, uh, some of the first times he's used this has been an AMRAP scenario. So the workout would have happened first, which is an AMRAP, and then it finished with, say, a one rep max in the remaining time or with a given amount of time. The problem was that in team scenarios, people were sandbagging the AMRAP, going really easy on that, and then trying to max out their clean and jerk to get a better result for their team. That's since changed. Now, you're generally what you're seeing is if a time aspect or a time domain, such as 16.2, where you say you only had four minutes to complete a certain amount. Of if you did complete it, then you can go up and wait and then continue to try and move through those five minute, those four minute time slots. So basically here, it's fantastic get to do all the lifting in the world and get yourself to a position where you feel confident in your lifts, but you also need to be prepared to be able to lift heavy weights with a high heart rate. Um, so structuring a little bit of your programming, a little bit of your work around that is important as well. And it's important to do both. You don't want to be moving with shit technique all the time because you're constantly trying to move through higher heart rate. 
but it is something you need to be familiar with, especially as an example last year, that 18.2. Most people did that workout, completely blows up your legs, and then you had to kind of max out from there in your remaining time. So, and you couldn't really sandbag the first one because it was a separately, separately scored event. So just being prepared to lift the heavy barbell um, when you don't really feel like it. Then uh, moving on to usually week three, we're looking at a chipper, sometimes week four scenario as well, but obviously higher repetitions across multiple movements. You only have to do that movement, say, once. Sometimes it's in the form of an AMRAP with a challenge to try and get as far as you can into it and repeat around. Sometimes it's in the form of a for time uh, with a time cap added on, for example, last year, but you're always going to have some form of a chipper in there. It's a classic CrossFit style workout. There's usually always going to be a workout based around the deadlift. And I think this is because we have so many movements in CrossFit that are based around squatting. You're usually going to get one to two uh, squatting dominant workouts or with a high rep amount of squatting in there. So they try to balance things out with a nice deadlift in there as well. In the past, they have subbed that out for a power clean once. Um, but generally speaking, you're always going to get some form of a deadlift. In recent times, it's usually about 100 kilos plus for the males and sort of that 60 kilo plus um, range sort of for the females. So something you can see there when you're doing your deadlifts, work on some higher rep sets and also working between those um, medium to heavy kind of deadlifts. The max deadlifts, etc., are probably not going to come up due to the um, event of people potentially hurting themselves or trying to max out with poor form. And then uh, the last week has always been thrusters. And this is really interesting because every year, for a lot of years there, we're thinking he's finally going to pull one on us. It's not going to be thrusters in the final week. But year after year, he consistently puts them in and we have to uh, slug our way through that last week. I don't think many people have uh, many great feelings about that week five. It's usually the worst. You're a little bit over it. Done four weeks of going through the leaderboards and the hard workouts and all the different dramas that come with the open and enjoy, enjoyment moments as well. And you just want it to be done and then you're faced with some nasty thrusters that finish thing off. So be prepared for that. That's definitely going to come. Uh, he could surprise us this year, but I highly doubt it. If anything, you're going to see a, maybe a variation like a dumbbell thruster or something like that, which we'll talk about. And then from there, there is usually always a repeat workout from previous years. And he stuck to that again pretty consistently. There, I don't think there has been a year yet where he hasn't repeated a workout. So have a look through some of the ones that some of the ones that have already been repeated twice. You're not probably not going to see them again. So yeah, focus on some of the ones that haven't been repeated yet, such as uh, my predictions for this year would be like a 14.4, 17.3 heavy snatch workout, 16.2 heavy clean workout. Uh, or 13.1, which was, um, again, an ascending ladder of snatches with burpees thrown in. And uh, going back to 14.4, that was a chipper style. So there's a couple of ideas to potentially repeat some of those workouts, or if you haven't done them before, give them a go, kind of get an idea of where you're at. And then that way, when it comes time to have a crack, if they do come up, you've got an idea of how to strategize most effectively for yourself. Now, the next thing is uh, every year we see one to two new movements included. And usually that's a variation of a movement, um, such as a dumbbell clean and jerk, as opposed to a barbell. And then one brand new movement that we're yet to see in the open itself. And this is usually gymnastics based because there's still quite a few movements that we haven't covered in the CrossFit Games open before. So a couple of my main picks uh, for new movements in 2019 include step ups or step overs. And we know they've tested these out in the team series to kind of get a bit of an idea, uh, I guess, as to how it looks on film, how it works standards wise and how athletes respond to them and is it, is it again is it scalable for the entire population to move through strict handstand push-ups 
I think have been threatened over the last couple of years, but considering they did handstand walks as their new movement last year, that might be a couple of year, a couple of goes away yet. You never know though, there might be something similar than what they did to what they did last year, where it was you have to get through the kipping handstand push-ups first before you get to the harder movement of the strict handstand push-ups. So everyone can kind of have a go at that RX level. Pistols, I think, are always a possibility. But again, they're probably aware that a whole population across the board are going to have different issues potentially with that movement. And then finally, dumbbell thrusters, I think, have been threatened again for a while here. Um, they could be they could be uh, week five there as a little bit of a surprise new movement. Obviously, lots of other possibilities, but we'll talk a little bit about why some of them are probably not going to come up as well. So what that all kind of means is general rule, what you should expect is, you know, workout one, you need to be prepared like we talked about to grind and in particular to have really quick transitions. If you're talking about a 17 minute workout, every single second really, really does count. Every second counts every time you do a workout in a CrossFit competition, but across the board, this can cost you lots and lots of reps or, or lots of time. So a good example would be like last year in, in 18.1, the way you lowered the dumbbell might have cost you two seconds every single time uh, between the repetitions that you did. Now that adds up to a lot of time when you when you bulk it up across that 17 or 20 minute sorry, um, time cap. Now the same deal goes for how quickly you transitioned off the rower towards the toes to bar, whether your hands were slipping. Uh, if you're doing burpees, you know, are you taking one or two seconds at the top before you're going down to the repetitions? Um, if you're cycling a barbell, you know, are you, are you taking five seconds between a rep or you're able to move it consistently? So transitions play a massive role and just the mental head game of knowing you're going to have a lot of time there. So again, preparing for this sort of workout and my advice is if it's a longer workout, generally try to stay away from the time. Unless you've got strict time uh, domains you're trying to work in, like I want an X amount of rounds in this time, try to stay away from the timer and just focus on the present moment of moving consistently and transitioning well. We know also that one workout's gonna involve generally more of a sprint. And they've tried to put that in little little variations here and there. Last year, again, was the perfect example of this uh, with the dumbbell front squat and bar-facing burpee workout. There was no real other mode except for go. There were certain you know things you could change to try and slow things down a little bit or get your breath back. But as a whole, people that did best in that workout were the ones that were able to sprint from start to finish knowing they were going to get a little bit more time to recover and maybe backing their fitness in, they could recover for the heavy barbell that came afterwards. But you'll see it across the board. There's a bit of a pattern there where there's one workout um, above all that's a little bit lower on the time domain and a little bit higher on the tempo. So in how quickly can you move the movements that are required, how quickly can you transition and how quickly can you block out that pain just long enough to be able to maintain a, a super hot pace. And then next, we know we talked about uh, involving a chipper. Um, in particular here, it's probably not movements you're gonna be able to do unbroken or sets you're not gonna be able to do unbroken. So it's looking at how can you take either bigger chunks of the reps, or if you're doing smaller sets, how quickly can you cycle through those sets? So in your training, um, when you're breaking down the chippers, have a plan for the, a certain movement and really practice and hone in your ability to break down those sets. And as we talked about, one workout is gonna involve thrusters, yuck but they're inevitable. So I can warn you right now, if you're not doing thrusters at least once a week, you probably should be doing them in some variation or some form. So you're mentally and physically prepared for that movement. Those of you that enjoy thrusters out there, good luck to you. Um, you're probably you know, on the shorter side with shorter arms on those little velociraptors that just love to pump their way through a big set of thrusters. So 
all the power to you. And the other thing you could probably consider here that's really important is any gymnastic skill limiters will really hurt you. And that's just the, the fact, right? Through this, if you struggle with muscle up, toe to bar, um, I'll throw double unders in there, not necessarily a gymnastics movement, but they're a big one. Handstand push-ups, the standard in particular for handstand push-ups. If there's any serious gymnastics limiters that you have, you need to start sorting that out now and start with the most, the one that you're gonna struggle with the most, then work your way backwards from there. Now, next if we want to break down the movements, and this isn't the perfect list, but it's pretty close to what you'll expect. As I discussed before, there's certain reasons why they cannot put certain movements in the open or why they potentially won't put them in the open. And therefore that leaves a, a much smaller list. You look at the CrossFit potential movements list, especially as an RX athlete, it's pretty elaborate and massive, especially if you're talking CrossFit games, sanctional style, um, local RX competitions, there's lots of possibilities and that's why it's quite a difficult sport to compete in. But the open does have certain rules and certain limitations. And we're gonna break those down to three categories. So one being your strength movements, and we're specifically talking more barbell movements here. But then next we're looking at monostructural cardio. This is stuff using a little bit of the odd objects, talking about specific cardio movements. And then finally we've got our gymnastics style movements as well. So if we start with strength to begin with, what you're generally gonna see, or potentially could see, thrusters, snatches, including power snatches as well, or full snatches, full cleans or power cleans, shoulder to overhead, deadlifts, overhead squats, and even though they haven't come up yet as a barbell variation, front squats are always a possibility as well. Generally speaking, back squats haven't come up yet. I highly doubt they will. Again, maybe it's just a safety thing. Sometimes people struggle a little bit more with the depth on a back squat as opposed to a front squat. I think they just like the idea that people can bail and that again, there's a little bit more safety out there for people just pushing a little bit beyond their limits. Now, in terms of some possibilities or some movements that are being left out here, um, funnily enough, I think bench press is a possibility. Maybe not this year, maybe not for a couple of years, but it's definitely making its way into the CrossFit realm a lot more. I think a lot of a lot of athletes have already used it for years, but the CrossFit Games is starting to warm to a little bit more. The standard would be interesting there, whether you would allow the butt to lift, um, how do you control things like arching, excessive arching, etc., versus someone who can't arch, is that going to be a problem? So, because obviously they can reduce the range of motion, which CrossFit is massive on making sure you maximize range of motion. So that would be one where you'd be like, it'd be a bit touch and go. But in the background, if you're practicing your bench every now and again or going through cycles throughout your year, it's probably a good idea. Hanging movements haven't been haven't shown up yet. In particular, uh, in my thought process, hang power cleans would potentially be a good movement. My guess is the reason why they haven't is different variations of the high hang clean versus the, the sort of hinge style. People being able to bounce it off their legs with elbows slightly bent as opposed to other people that would do it with straight arms. Um, and in particular, the speed of the movement, some of the lighter hang power cleans, people being able to get their elbows through at a lightning pace and leaving a little bit to be desired on the standards. So that's my guess as to why they haven't come up. However, I think a hang power clean could potentially uh, make its way through, provided the standards were quite clear. Some of the deadlift high pulls haven't come up before, but again, uh, it's, it'll just be a matter of where the line of the bar, where it needs to finish. And is there a bit of a blurred line there, you know, elbow positioning when you finish, etc. And it's not really a movement programmed a lot these days, I would say in the majority of most affiliates workouts. So you never know if they're trying to bring back some of the old school foundational movements, you might see a sumo deadlift high pull in your future. 
And stepping a little bit outside the barbell, we haven't seen kettlebell movements. And again, I'm thinking this is maybe a safety issue. They're considering people pushing their limits more than they should, um, dropping kettlebells, things like that maybe. Some of the more complex variations of having to move your hand around a kettlebell, etc. they've obviously moved more towards a dumbbell focus. So, and even as a whole, CrossFit games-wise and regionals, they don't seem to love the kettlebell for some reason. So, although it'd be cool to see something like a kettlebell swing, I'm not sure you're gonna see it in the open specifically. So, again, still do it. It's that GPP, you gotta keep up all your movements and continue progressing, because life is not all about the open, but unlikely you will see it in the open itself. Next, we look, uh, look at uh, monostructural or cardio-based movements. So burpees, you can almost guarantee you're gonna see in the open, but the variations you'll generally tend to see in what they have used in the past includes um, burpee box jump overs, which they um, have seemed to shine more to instead of burpee box jumps, uh, bar facing burpees, and also burpees to a target. Burpees to a target was a little bit fiddly in terms of different reaches and things like that, so maybe that's why they've shied away from that over the last few years, tried not to put too much uh, work on the affiliates plates who are organizing all this stuff. They haven't put laterals in. And again, I think it's kind of like the hang power clean situation. People move a lot quicker. There's a few slight variations. Obviously people don't really have to stand up. And I mean, bar facing similar, but I guess just the speed of the movement, maybe they're trying to make sure that they can clearly see the standard. There's also a little bit more sneaky one-legged jumps or kind of half one-legged. You know, for lateral, are they perfectly lateral or do they get away with a slight angle at the bar? So I think that's why they've stayed away from them in general. So a bit more focus on bar facing or burpee box jump overs and you'll probably be fine and prepared for the open. Double unders are going to be a skill that's in there, straightforward. Uh, rowing is also going to be one that will be featured at some point. Box jumps have been featured in the past. I think they're reducing that a little bit. One thing that's for certain is when you jump on the box, making sure your lockout on the box is 100% a standard universally now. So don't practice the kickoff. Um, jump up, step down, you can you can rebound, uh, depending on what your, your level is and what you're trying to achieve with it. Wall balls are another movement that you will see come up. And dumbbells have, last couple of years in particular, like I said, CrossFit's trying to get back to a little bit more of that fitness aspect and not being so specifically barbell orientated um, and so snatches dumbbell snatches in particular have been a big one would not be surprised in the future if we saw a double dumbbell snatch or even a variation of something like a devil's press there's also dumbbell clean and jerks which have been shown up uh, last year which was a bit of a surprising one but again it's there dumbbell front squats have now been featured we've done dumbbell lunges and a front rack we've um also, I should mention, actually, with the barbell, we've done overhead lunges with the barbell as well. Maybe we'll see a farmer's carry style lunge, potentially, in the future. Maybe we'll see a single arm dumbbell overhead lunge as a possibility. Again, we saw that in team series, so it's possible. What we might see in the future, as I said before, I think stepovers are a very high bet for a new movement this year. And we've also haven't seen shoulder overhead specifically for the dumbbell on its own. So maybe we might see a push press or push jerk variation for the dumbbells as a possibility. What we're probably not going to see in that category is an air bike just yet. Again, has there been enough years of motion of assault? There's so many other uh, variations of an air bike out there now with Rogue in particular, which is a huge supporter of the CrossFit Games. With their Echo bike, we've got the Smay bikes, we've got, and you know, if you go over the States, there's hundreds of different brands now of air bikes. So 
whether they're prepared yet to say, hey, you need air bikes if you're going to compete, I think they'd have to put that in the rule book and make it specific if that's what they were going to do. So I don't think you're going to see an air bike again this year. You're not going to see running again, running, swimming, and these sorts of sports where you've got to actually uh, define the distance, and you couldn't just do that with a tape measure. It's going to be too hard. And also there's different tracks, hills, inclines, all sorts of different stuff they are going to make it too variable. So don't worry about running as a specific uh, skill for the open, but great for general fitness as well. Shuttles though, however, could potentially make a, a possibility. Again though, CrossFit I think has a pretty strict dimensions that they always use, for example, with their lunging and handstand walking. And anything under sort of uh, 10 meters, anything under 15 or 20 meters really is not a great separator. It's not really a whole lot of running. It's a lot of turning around. So. Never know, maybe we'll see a Chester Deck shuttle or something like that along those lines as a possibility. Moving on to gymnastics, and this is one in particular that gets quite specific. Gymnastics as a whole, strict movements are really, really difficult to judge. And there's so many variations. You look at a strict pull-up, for example, there's a reason why it hasn't really shown up in many, if any, competitions that I've seen, especially not from the CrossFit game standard, because there's legs going in different places, there's people using arches was not using arches there's legs coming apart versus together there's different variations in grip there's lots of things that go into the pull-up being strict and what some people consider strict and what some people don't so strict movements as a whole will generally not be in there chest bars bar muscle ups ring muscle ups handstand push-ups handstand walks now and toes to bar are going to be your bread and butter if you were just to focus on those movements throughout the year a, they cover a lot of the gymnastics movements you'll see even in local competitions. They cover a lot of the movements that you'll see at regionals and a lot of the, or what used to be regionals now being the sanctionals. And they cover a lot of the movements that you'll see, in the, almost all the movements you see in the open. As I said before, I think strict handstand push-ups and pistols are a possibility. Movements that you're probably not going to see are rope climbs. Again, similar kind of thing to the, the running issue. Some affiliates don't have the roof space to go high enough. There's a huge safety issue as well. I don't think it would be a great look if you had 500 people around the world falling off a rope because they were trying to push an extra time in a workout in the open scenario. So you're not going to get those, I don't think. Pull-ups instead of chest bars. The reason why they go with chest bar, it's a very clear, clearly defined standard. So if you've been hammering the pull-ups, that's great. Probably now time to switch gears and focus a bit more specifically on chest bars. Because again, they can show that a bit more with your general butterflies and keeping pull-ups. There's just that slight variation where do you get your chin over? Do you not? Is it more that you're just turning your chin up? Do you have a really nicely groomed beard that allows you to kind of get that extra bit of height? Whereas a chest bar, okay, there's a few things that could vary it, but in reality, your chest hits the bar, it's counted as a rep. So prepare more in that direction. Now, push-ups have been used in the past uh, once, I believe but I think they've left them by the wayside for the simple reason that again, the standard gets real shaky. And if you've ever seen someone do push-ups in a workout, as they get tired, it's not a great standard of movement. You're probably gonna see more worms. You're gonna see some people with their thighs on the floor, some people lifting toes up. Um, so how do you count and decide what's a quality movement and what's considered like, okay, you don't wanna have your world champion out there uh, doing worm push-ups over and over again because it's more efficient and because they can uh, get away with it more and just loading up their back, etc., and not really a great look for the sport. So that you're probably not going to get push-ups anymore. But again, great one to condition yourself for, say, burpees. 
And ring dips are another one that's just a, a real tricky one to judge, especially from a video perspective. Some people have a really uh, smart way of leaning properly to get that lockout a little bit easier. Some people will almost touch their bicep, but not quite. What part of the bicep needs to touch? There's too many questions to ask and there's too much pressure on the judges to get it right. Another thing is as people get tired, they do tend to struggle a lot with the lockout as well. And then you'll get that person with the too fast to care that's just pumping them out and you're like, it's like the hang power clean. And then obviously we don't need to go into some of the more advanced gymnastics like pegboards, etc. It's pretty obvious that most affiliates don't have those facilities and most athletes cannot actually um, do those movements. So I guess this is where it gets kind of interesting. There are specific things that you can do for the open and refine a bit more or focus on a little bit more in the lead up that will make it a much more pleasant experience for you. And I'm obviously talking to you as an audience that potentially is wanting to get better for the open and just improve the way that you can uh, get through it and perform. So think about those movements and sort of highlight the ones you need to work on the most. And what we want to talk about sort of next is how certain elements of the movement help you improve it. So we talked about a lot of different things there and I think most CrossFitters are drawn uh, to the glitz and glamour of the weightlifting, and I, I certainly am. It's, it's enjoyable to see your strength go up or feel things feel easier or refine technique. Gymnastics, again, is something that's refined, but you tend to leave behind things like being able to dumbbell snatch better, wall ball better, say row better, air bike better, and all the rest of it because it's kind of boring, right? No one likes to drag their way through 10 minutes of rowing and trying to think about every stroke and how you can make it better. But if your goal is to get better at the sport, Fitness is not always enough. You can be really, really good, have a good pain tolerance threshold, but you don't know how to breathe real good, right? And we see that a lot with people when we go, when the testing's done, there's a lot of high-level CrossFit athletes out there that don't have great VO2 max, as an example. They don't have great uh, breath control, but they just know how to really fight through. So for you, the average punter who wants to climb up a little bit, get a little bit better and just do well at your local competition, or competing with a mate in the leaderboard, or just in general feel like you can do better across all the workouts, then these elements are really important. So what they are, the three of them, is if we break up each movement, so let's say we take dumbbell snatches as an example, we're looking at speed, capacity, and the efficiency switch, or switches. So let's talk about speed first of all. Now obviously speed to some degree is gonna, going to be uh, varied depending on what your actual limb lengths are and your actual range of motion. So someone who's five foot tall, like we talked about before, we'll categorize them as the Velociraptors versus the six foot two giants out there. They're not gonna be squatting at the same rate. It just goes without saying. You get someone who has to do a lot of squats in a workout, the shorter person, same level of fitness, they're probably gonna do it quicker than you. But there are a lot of things you can tweak and move with that will help along the way. So touch and go deadlifts are a good example, right? Not pausing at the top for too long making sure you can lower as quickly as possible with as much control as possible. And these are things you can actually train and practice. If we're doing something like a hang squat clean, do you need to pull the bar up super high, catching it in a power clean position, then riding it down? That's gonna make things a lot slower. It's also gonna reduce your efficiency actually as well, because you're gonna have more time under tension, more time breathing under load, not great for your heart rate. So can you get under the bar quicker? use less muscular force, use less of your arms, then to pull the bar up higher. What are some ways that you can maximize your speed, which will hopefully help everything else as well? And obviously it's like everything too, the more chunk of the work you can get done quicker, mentally it's a lot more rewarding as you're moving through that workout. And if something's for time, 
the quicker you can get to that last repetition, the better. So have a little look at some different techniques and things. Try and break down. Let's say you're going with a thruster. You might look at pulling the bar down aggressively with your arms. You might look at dropping down quicker from the squat. You might physically try to focus on standing up quicker. Um, you might look at uh, driving up onto the ball of the foot instead of keeping the foot flat. Break down a few of those things and see which ones are quicker and which ones are more effective overall. Next up, we're looking at capacity. Now, for capacity, this could have lots of potential meanings. So one thing I think is neglected a little bit, again, as CrossFitters, is if we go back to the example of, say, the dumbbell snatch of the wall wall or even the double unders, if you're talking a strength movement, okay, cool. You ask most people what their max is, they'll be able to tell you straight away. What's your max back squat, your max deadlift, your max power claim, yada, yada, yada. Then you talk about what's the max repetitions at 22 and a half kilos you've done of a dumbbell snatch or 15 kilos for the ladies. Now that weight range, if the open is important to you, is actually really crucial because you're probably not going to get a 30 kilo dumbbell. You're not going to get a 15 if you're a male. You're going to get a 22 and a half. Okay, if you're a female, you're going to get a 15 because they don't want affiliates out there having to buy a whole set of dumbbells just so they can get through the open. So this is where it gets interesting. How many reps can you do unbroken with that movement? Now, if, you've got a, if you know in, your, in yourself you've done 200 reps unbroken and you go into a workout such as 17.1, which had 150 dumbbell snatches in it, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be able to move through that workout as close to unbroken as possible, right? The 10, 20, 30, 40, and 50 rep sets, knowing that, hey, like, fresh, I can do this 200 reps unbroken. This is only requiring 150, and it's broken up. Bearing in mind, obviously, my heart rate's going to be higher, but it does give you that confidence moving forward. So that could be one style of the capacity. How many repetitions can you do with that movement, with that weight? And just testing these every now and again. The second thing with the capacity would be, can you do more than is required? Okay, so 22 and a half kilo dumbbell, I'm guessing if you can do 200 and broken, there's a pretty good chance you can move through, say, 30 kilo uh, dumbbell snatches, right? There's probably a pretty good chance you could do even heavier than that, but what's the heaviest you could do? How many repetitions are you doing, etc.? If it's a squat clean, Okay, cool. If I've got a 150 squat clean, then going into a workout involving, you know, building up to 102 kilos is not going to be a massive drama for me. I know I can physically do it. And then it might come down to endurance or physiological parameters that are holding you back or game plan or strategy. But as a whole, your capacity for that movement is quite good. So we're looking at rep ranges and then we're looking also at strength. Then you can look a little bit more at, say, advancements in the technique. So example of this might be, okay, ring muscle-ups. I can do strict muscle-ups as well. I can do 10 strict muscle-ups. Cool, well, there's probably a pretty good chance you can do 15 to 20 unbroken on kip. Cool, cool. Now I can do weighted ring muscle-ups, strict. Can I do strict ring muscle-ups into a forward roll for more of a skill progression? Now, this doesn't always equal more endurance. It doesn't always equal better performance. But again, it's giving you the foundations and the base to be able to say you have an increase in capacity for that movement. So you can think a little bit outside the box with that one, but it allows you to kind of look at what have I got to actually play with? What are my starting points, both mentally and physically? Mentally, being able to do 200 reps unbroken and physically being able to do a new skill or being able to withstand those 200 repetitions. And then when you're going into the workout, you can obviously strategize a lot better and you can also go in a lot better prepared for the volume that you're going to expect. And then part three of this one is your efficiency switches. And this is really important because the workout, what you start with, the technique you start with is not necessarily the, work, the technique you're going to finish with. 
And going back to that thruster example is a really good example of this. So if you're talking thrusters that involve a lot of upper body as the other movements, so let's say we're doing pull-ups with it, um, or even double unders where your grip or something is getting fried out, and you want to give your shoulders a bit of a break. Maybe you drive up onto that ball of foot a little bit more aggressively. Maybe you focus on the squat being a lot faster, which is then going to lead to a little bit more of a burn in the legs, but will hopefully help you recover your upper body a little bit more and take some pressure off that. Alternatively, it could be the opposite. Maybe your legs are fried for some rowing. So now what we can start to think about is maybe a smoother squat and a bit more drive with the upper body, right? Rather than coming up on the toes now, we keep our feet flat and we just drive up on that sucker. And again, the legs won't maybe suffer quite as badly, but the upper body will take a little bit more of the load overall. So these efficiency switches are really important. You might have your super fast uh, level of movement, like we talked about before, finding those little tweaks and things, but maybe it's not sustainable. It's only good for a gear where you're trying to finish or where you're starting the workout and you're fresh. Maybe in a longer workout, it's not even a, a technique you wanna use at all. Plenty of examples of this, right? You think about the fastest thrusters you can possibly do, you don't wanna be doing that through a workout that's gonna take 10 minutes. Okay, maybe you do, maybe you've got really good endurance capacity, but for the average punter, you need to be smart about how you go about things. So these efficiency switches are really important. It's kind of like having a map and you're being able to trace out different pathways to a different result. Okay, depending on what the workout is requiring of you. So practice these things. Practice how to move quicker. Practice how to change the movement up as needed to improve your efficiency depending on what the workout is and what it's demanding. And try to improve your capacity for that movement. It goes without saying, right? What? It, how many of those things can you do? How much more of it can you do? So that I would consider them the elements of those movements. And again, you've got your movement list from what we discussed before break it down to those three elements. Now, from a workout perspective, what is your biggest limiter in each of those workouts? So a good example, last year, if we go through each of the workouts, 18.1, maybe it was rowing for you, was the biggest aspect. You got through the toes to bar easy, dumbbell cleaning jerks were fast, you got on the rower, and you just knew you couldn't push the tempo in that row. Or maybe you did push the tempo and you blew up. So could you find a way to specifically work on rowing under certain conditions to be able to be more consistent on that? Maybe that was your biggest limiter. Maybe it was toaster bar. You couldn't do eight unbroken in the last few rounds. You had to break out to say four and four and you lost a bit of time there. Maybe it was your grip strength. 18.2 might have been your one at max. It might have been the speed of your bar facing burpees. Maybe they really died and that really suffered your time. 18.3. I know for me it was really surprising that double unders, I've considered myself reasonably good at double unders, was the biggest limiting factor in terms of how much fatigue it accumulated. Now there's a lot of repetitions, 100 reps over I think, you know, depending on where you got to in the ladder, close to five to six sets, if you got into the second round even more, it's a lot of double unders. And again, this capacity thing of, you know, can you do 400 or 500 double unders unbroken? If you can, you're probably gonna cope with that pretty well. If you could only do say 200 and 250, well, you're already operating at 50% max capacity on that very first set unbroken. So again, like double unders, I think for most people were quite surprising at how much they hit them. But for other people, might've been muscle ups, obviously is a big one for most. Um, it could have been overhead squats. If you weren't prepared, you weren't really strong in that movement. Maybe you got a great squat, but overhead squats are shaky. Maybe that would have held you up longer than you would have liked or fatigued you more than you would have liked. 18.4, which was deadlifts, handstand push-ups, and handstand walks, and had two different weights for the deadies. 
Obviously, your deadlift form and your capacity and strength there might have really hurt you. For most people, I think they'd probably highlight the handstand push-up standard as being the most challenging. And maybe you've got handstand push-ups, but you hadn't worked on the handstand walks, and that was the surprising part for it. So that might have been a limiting factor there. Week five, you had chester bars and thrusters. So obviously, thrusters could have been a limiting factor. And obviously, from there, there's also chester bar pull-ups, which could have also been a limiting factor for people if you didn't have great endurance there as well. So it's highlighting that one movement in particular out of all the other movements you're doing in that workout and what are the biggest limiting factors for you. And now is a chance to practice it. You can look at past years and kind of work out a plan from that or you can look at the classes you're doing or the programming you're currently doing and kind of working out what's my biggest uh, sticking point there, either in combination with other movements or on its own as a standalone skill or movement that I'm not great at. And then the big one I think, and especially this is applicable for the open in particular, is your transitions or your ability to transition between movements, sets, uh, throughout a workout. Now, if you think about the elite category, so the people that are finishing sort of in the top 10 in the open, top 20 in the open, when they're doing, say, a chipper workout involving, say, 30 reps, 15 reps of a heavier movement, you know, they're doing these really, really quickly or in bigger sets, and they're generally only resting five to 10 seconds between a set and between a movement which is phenomenal, right? They're able to recover really, really quickly, sometimes within one to two breaths, um, and they're straight back on the next movement. So that's what separates them from the rest. So if the average punter looking to get better and just people looking to sort of push their RX level as much as possible, 10 to 20 seconds should be your goal, bearing in mind you're probably gonna have smaller sets than some of those elite people as well. So in between those smaller sets, shortening that rest period is really important. And I would say in almost every workout, transitions play the biggest role in how many reps you get done and how much time you uh, save as well. So there's three styles of transitions you can focus on a little bit more in terms of improving your ability mentally to go from one to the next. Because I do, I do believe this is very much a mental skill with obviously a, phys a physical aspect in terms of how fit you actually are. One of them is interference, which is essentially similar muscle groups getting messed up. So you've probably all felt that point where your legs are just completely destroyed and then you've got to go into another set of heavy squats or something like that. So the example might be like air bike and thrusters or a row with something like a lunge where you is that, that little bit of interference and that specific muscle group is where you feel the burn the most or it might even just be the whole lower limb is going to feel like it's on fire. So you could practice things. If you know that your grip is an issue, practice more transitional um, movements between say something like a farmer's carry and a set of pull-ups to work on that specific muscle group and the ability to still transition between the two to teach that muscle group essentially to, to recover quicker. The second lot is alternating muscle groups. So looking at you know a push and pull for example, an upper versus lower body, uh, quad to hamstring. Um, so basically the alternating, so example would be a deadlift and a squat put in together. Uh, for the push and pull, we're maybe looking at something again, if we're talking like a deadlift and then into something like a push press, um, upper and lower, we could be looking at a front squat and then a pull up again as an example, that classic Fran style combination. And again, can you transition between the two? It's gonna cause a little bit of blood shunting and it's again, your heart's ability to pump blood to, up and down to different regions and how quickly your metabolic system is able to recover from that and get the blood to the area that is needed. That's why a lot of people experience cramping and other variations where of fatigue where their heart rate jumps up too high because and their blood pressure is too high as well. So 
alternating muscle groups and getting used to that alternation between. And then part three would be your pre-fatigues. So this one I'm talking a little bit more about maybe your cardio or monostructural movements. Um, and could be say a burpee or an air bike or a row, something gets your heart rate up a little bit more. So it may be a bit more aerobic in nature. And is that is that pre-fatigue before you have to really put out with your nervous system? So movements we'd have to put out would be obviously a barbell movement, um, especially a heavier one. Could be say a muscle up or a chest to bar pull up. And so by pre-fatiguing, it's obviously gonna make that skill or that um, heavy movement a lot more difficult. And so being prepared for that is really important. And again, practicing your transitions between the two. How long are you taking getting off that row to then getting back to the barbell? Or how long getting off, say, the double under does it take you to then go into a muscle up? So practicing that in smaller sets is a really good way to prepare for that similar feeling in the open. Now, you can tra uh, practice these transitions the same way you do like percentage work on a lift. So we all know the, the classic kind of approach where if you've got a 100 max of say 100 kilos, you work within sort of a 60 to 80% range to work on both technique and allowing your nervous system to adapt and improve and then eventually going for another 100 max, right? With the classic five by three or five by five, etc. So you could work on transitions in a very similar way. Think about the biggest set you're gonna have to do or the sets you're gonna have to do and break them down to smaller chunks repeated often so you can practice these transitions and get used to it. So let's take a barbell movement. Again, we'll come back to that classic Fran style, that 40 kilo thruster, which we know in the open has shown its head a lot of times. And we'll take a monostructural movement like a bar facing burpee. Now you could do a small three minute AMRAP where you're working on five thrusters, six bar facing burpees. And your goal is really just to test how long it takes you to recover between the two. Now a couple ways you could do it, you could either test how long it takes you to recover or just simply how quickly you can transition between the two and sort of working in those parameters and seeing if you can improve that. As it starts to get easier, and maybe you feel like you can do the five and six at a good pace consistently for that three minutes without too much trouble, you might add another minute on. Make it a four minute window, make it a five minute window. And try as many different combinations as you possibly can. It's obviously not possible to prepare for every scenario. That's what makes CrossFit great and also a very challenging sport to prepare for. But the more, the more movement combinations you're exposed to, the more effective your preparation will be going into it. So it just kind of gives you a bit of an idea. You can break down transitions, break down the elements a little bit more of the movement and practice them specifically. And that'll hopefully allow you to be better prepared heading into what the next five weeks will hold in February. So don't forget the GPP of training though as well, right? Yes, it's fun to train for the open. Yes, it's fun to get excited about it, but it's not the be all and end all. This is just a few ways you can hack your way in a little bit and have a better understanding of what to expect. Your general physical preparedness, and like we've talked about in the past, your health aspect is still super, super important, as are your own personal goals. You're probably not gonna see a strict press, for example, show up in the CrossFit Games Open, but if something you wanna get better at, you should absolutely work on that as well. And that's one more thing I'd say, is try to maintain some, um, some standard of your, your base level training throughout the Open. You may wanna repeat at different times, and that's perfectly fine. Try different strategies and see what works best for you. But don't forget all the other aspects of why you train as well throughout the open. There you go, guys. I think we've cracked the DeCastro code. Hopefully it makes for a little bit more of an enjoyable five weeks. Probably won't. It's still going to hurt and feel pretty horrible. But at least you've got a better idea of what to expect now. And hopefully I can guide your training in the four weeks to come. Thanks for tuning in again, guys. 
next week we'll hit up episode five with Mindset Nutrition. Until then, have a great week and keep it real as always.